Hey everybody, I'm Robert. Hey guys, I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's time for us to shoot the flames. That's right, our monthly episode where Chris and I get together and talk about listener comments and questions, horror news, trailers, and some of our recent watches. And by get together, we mean something very special this month. We're in the same room. That's right. <laughs> God, it's been so long. Reunited. And it feels so good. <laughs> Damn it, I'm going to have a song stuck in my head. Hey, peaches and herb for everybody. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the words to that song. Yes, Robert has become Salem adjacent with me for a small, brief tiny amount of time and so we are recording together to bring you this shooting the flames for june that's right and uh we're going to relish every moment of this shooting the flames episode because lord knows when we'll be able to record together in the same room again all right well let's get started with some listener comments from episodes uh from our deep dive into the witches of eastwick Kimberly, via email, said, Potential top vomit scenes episode. Poltergeist 2. The vomit tequila monster. The only good part of that movie. By the way, love listening to you guys. You make me laugh so much. I hope to become a patron soon. Yeah, so we were talking about vomit scenes that we could do a top 10 from, you know, because there's this multiple church vomit scenes in Witches of Eastwick. Uh-huh. And we were thinking maybe we could do a top 10 vomit scenes or more movies like <laughs> Evil Deads and stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, I've completely forgotten about Poltergeist 2. <laughs> I, I've pretty much completely forgotten about that movie, right? And so Nikki, another uh, frequent commenter and listener, recently watched the entire Poltergeist franchise. Oh. And she reached out to us on Twitter and said, is it worth it to watch the remake? And I, I, so I told her on there, I was like, well, Chris so firmly loves this, you know, movie that he's not ever going to watch the remake. Right. And I said, well, and I watched it. I was like, so, you know, choose for yourself. And I think she ended up watching it. So, yeah. but, uh, I kind of want to go back and watch all the Poltergeist movies now. Yeah, I, so. I remember liking Poltergeist too. It's just like the first one's such a classic and the Poltergeist two is a good movie. It's just not a classic, you know, I'm. And f- from what I can remember, when I, I mean, I watched it when I was very young, right? There's pretty scary moments in Poltergeist, too, as I recall. Yes. So, and it's a very interesting production, too. So, yeah, I think um, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and watch all of them. And we're going to be doing Poltergeist soon. Yeah, I think we're going to try to do that for our 100th episode because it's both of our... Both of one of our favorite horror movies. Yeah, I think if we had to pick a joint favorite horror movie, it probably would be. Yeah, that's where it would line up, I think. So yeah, I look forward to that, guys. And I think think I'll be watching all the poltergeists for that. Our next comment comes from Erica from Customers Also Watched. She said, I love this movie. Also, Susan Sarandon's hair is everything. It's so vibrant and full and (laughs) bouncy in this movie. She's absolutely right. It is everything. Lachlan from Facebook says, great take on a great movie. Cher's monologue is still one of my all-time favorites. Now I have to go watch it again. Yeah, I love that monologue. Yeah, we love it too. I mean, that's why we, I guess, put it, we we did put it at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. episode as a little clip teaser. By far one of the best lines in that movie, except maybe like when Veronica Cartwright is like, they're trying to get inside me, Clive, right? I mean, like, that's good too. Yeah. From our deep dive into Cabin Fever, at Cody Landman said, Glad to know someone else finds James DeBello or Bert attractive. That was your choice? Yes, that, it? Was, yeah, that was mine. I was like, why isn't he in more? He is a cutie. At Battle Burrito says, That dog was rough. I see what you did there, Robert. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew I said that, but it wasn't like some sort of intentional pun. So I don't know. Do you I just me? now got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I when I was listening back to the episode before we released it, I heard me say, that dog was rough. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. So <laughs> thank you, Battle Burrito, for pointing that out. Uh, but um, it wasn't intentional. From our quarantine streaming episode, at Jay Carbon said, catching up on your fantastic episodes and got to the part in your quarantine recommendations where Robert talked about the movie Terrified. Dear God, I can relate. That movie scared me so bad. It's fucking frightening. Like, I'm not joking, people. If you haven't seen this movie and you're a fan of horror and actually want to be scared by something, please go watch it. Is it as good as it is scary? I mean, it has some issues, right? Like, it's not, I would say it's one of my favorite recent horror movies, but 
I mean, it scared me enough to where I remembered it and have watched it again. Okay. So, I mean, for the feeling alone, it's totally worth a watch. Yeah, I've been really wanting to watch that. So our hot take episode on The Lodge got a couple comments. And the first one came from the Customers Also Watch podcast. This is Erica again. And she says, finally, someone feels the same way about this movie as me. Oh, yeah. The, the Wet Grinch Salad movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I guess Erica didn't like it. Um, but we had another comment. So... At Eats the Mario said, ooh, I thought it was really good. I guess I wasn't as perceptive as the two of you in terms of the reveal, and maybe that made a difference to my experience. My partner really didn't like it, though I'm not sure if it was for the same reasons. So, I mean, obviously this movie is a little polarizing, right? Yeah. And I've, I've gathered that from social media already. And we, I think we both actually liked it. It's yeah. just that we had such a depressing time with it, you know? So for a polarizing movie where people either really like it or really don't, I think Chris and I landed somewhere in the middle, right? Like we both liked it for various reasons and disliked it for various quality. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, I think we both agreed that perhaps on a rewatch, we would feel differently about the movie, but I, at least for myself, a rewatch on this one's going to be way far in the future. Yeah. I'm going to wait for a very sunny day before I watch that movie again. (laughs) From our Shooting the Flames episode uh, last month, uh, at Nicole Ann 75 says, Okay, just after I listened to this episode, my husband ran in raving about Tales from the Loop, so apparently it gets a little easier to watch. He's even bought the original Swedish artist's books that the series is based on, so I'm going to go ahead and try it. She sent in a follow-up tweet that said, Episode 4 needs some sort of warning because it's hard to see through the tears. But it's oddly hopeful for this series. I can't go on for a day or so, though. So uh, this is something that you were talking about? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes and I was like, this is such a fucking downer. Like, I can't. I can't even. And so, like, after that and The Lodge, like, I had to move on to some, you know, brighter things. But... Yeah, I might. I'm after this. Uh, I might catch up on it just because I don't know. Episode four obviously seems just as depressing or more depressing if she can't see through her tears. Well, she said oddly hopeful. Yeah. So I mean, it may be like a different kind of sad. Okay, maybe the happy sad that kills like, me every time. It's like watching Steel Magnolias oh. or something. I don't know. <laughs> Big fish. Or- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, at the very least, make it through episode four, right, and then. So, yeah. Okay. I'll watch two more episodes and I'll come back to you. So yeah, we have that review from Nicole. I'm going to wait for you to watch those two episodes before I even attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got some questions. Our first from at RL Terry. Name a must watch horror movie that you knew for the longest time you were supposed to watch, but didn't until in the last year. I finally watched Sleepaway Camp and I knew I was supposed to watch that. And I didn't know the twist and everything else. And so I finally watched it. And uh, you also recently watched Chopping Mall, right? Which is oh, another, yeah. like 80s classic. Yeah, I watched Chopping Mall. <laughs> For better or worse. You know, so obviously throughout the recording of this podcast, I have seen movies now that I missed along the way. And it's uh, movies that you choose for the most part for those months. Like I know I should have seen Fallen a long time ago and finally watched it, right? And I mean, I would also say the same for Sunshine. It's something that I've heard a lot from you as a good movie, horror yeah. adjacency. And so, I mean, that's some of the ones that I know that I should have watched just based upon, you know, a good friend's recommendation. So I don't know. There's a lot of movies that I haven't seen from like the 80s and 90s, 70s and before that I need to watch. So I have a lot of catching up to do. I can't really answer this question very well. well I don't know. I feel like we just recorded Ghost in the Darkness. And of course, yeah. uh, from viewers standpoint, that'll have released a week ago. From listening to this. And uh, so you had never seen that in the 90s when it came out. So, I mean, honestly, I think I have this podcast to thank for the movies that I'm catching up on. Because <laughs> so, I don't I don't know that I ever would have sat down and watched Ghost in the Darkness if we weren't recording an episode on it. Yeah, and I certainly would never have seen Chopping <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad I did because it was so bad and yet so good. <laughs> it was an experience, I'm sure. It was, right? Yes, it was an experience. So we got a question from Michael on Facebook and um, I had posted a like a a picture, a meme that I made asking for people to call into this episode and ask a question. Um, And it was a picture of Drew Barrymore from Scream, right, that I sort of doctored up. And he said this is an appropriate question because of that picture. Is Scream 5 really necessary? After the original, each sequel became more ridiculous as they had to keep tying the killers to Sydney. Then came the pointless TV series. Wes Craven is long gone and we're dipping back into that dry well yet again. 
So this is all coming from the news that we got recently that Scream 5 is going to happen. Yeah, and on the surface, I would definitely agree. But we have some other good news with it, right? Right. So, I mean, some of the cast and characters are coming back. So I know for sure that David Arquette is coming back to play Dewey. Yeah. And uh, the directors of this movie are the two guys that did Ready or Not from last year. That's what gives me the most hope. Right. And I like I loved that movie so much that I would love to see where they would take this franchise too. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, like to answer your question, I would say, no, it's not necessary. Right. But I'm not opposed to it. So I think that if if anyone feels strongly about having a direction to take a franchise in, especially if it has been several years after the last one, I'm curious to see what they would do with it. You know, and if you have yeah. good people attached, then, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there for it. So, yeah, I'm hoping they do more of a reboot where it's, you know, a little bit different and it's not really, re- you know, tied to Sydney, you know, and maybe like I'd almost prefer it if David Arquette wasn't in it so that we could just kind of start over a little bit. Well, I mean, and as for the TV series, I never watched it. So I don't, me either. I don't know like how good or bad it is. And I mean, but from what you just said, like, I know that uh, Nev Campbell is in talks to come back and play Sydney. So I mean, well, what else is she or David Arquette doing these days anyway? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Talking about Scream together. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, really, I would rather just have Courtney Cox come back. Yeah. To make a whole movie about Gail Weathers. Or is she dead now? I can't remember. I can't remember Scream 4. Uh, I think everyone lived. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I mean, either way, Michael, it's it's they're going to make it, right? So whether it's necessary or not, we'll be able to, when it's finished, watch it and then talk about its merits or, you know, weaknesses. I'm just surprised they haven't brought back, uh, what, Jamie Kennedy or whatever his name is? I think he actually is dead. Yeah, he, he was dead in, in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. But I want him to come back as the killer at some point. <laughs> like he's not actually dead. Yeah. You left me for dead. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because in the article that I was reading about Scream 5, both he and Matthew Lillard said that they would like to come back. And I'm like, you guys are dead. <laughs> I mean, like that yeah. would be some serious rewriting of like history. Matthew Lillard would be less of an issue because like Kennedy actually like did the whole video. If you're watching this, I'm dead, you know, thing. So. So. I don't know. They could write it off. They could do whatever they want. It's fantasy, but I, mean, I don't know. It's I'm right. looking forward to it. We'll see. All right. So we got a couple of reviews. We got a five-star review from Petey the Dragon, and uh, he or she says, let's hear it for the boys. Chris and Robert are delightful hosts. They are so funny and have struck a really good balance between serious topics and levity. Well, thank you. Yes. That's a really nice review. We appreciate that. But on the flip side of that... We got a one-star review. Yeah. We also got our first one-star review. Uh, this one from J.W. Ford. And he said, what a joke. Hosts think Eli Roth is a quote-unquote visionary and his first two films are groundbreaking. It also in quotes. But Jordan Peele's Us was disappointing. Don't waste your time. They can't be trusted. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, thank you for reaching out and leaving us a review, even though it is only a one star. I'm not sure that we ever use the word visionary to describe Eli Roth, even though both Robert and myself are fans of I mean, Eli I Roth. Could have used the word visionary. It doesn't sound, I mean, it sounds like something I would say about Eli Roth, so I wouldn't put it past me, you know? Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but I mean, right. like, <laughs> Eli Roth is definitely something. I don't know if he's a visionary, but he's definitely a talented storyteller yes and even a trendsetter you know so whether that or whether or not that means visionary in your dictionary or not you know we're also very big jordan peele fans and if you go back and listen to our hot take on us i think you'll say that we're disappointed only when compared to his previous film get out mm-hmm. right because like i think i remember saying like it was uh, really good, but like it, it was like trying to make that lightning strike twice. It felt like it was like a try hard compared to get out, which just worked. Right? And, I, and I completely agree with that review, so. but I'm not sure a comparison of how we feel about Eli Roth versus Jordan Peele is entirely fair. I think both of us can agree that as a debut film, Jordan Peele's get out is far, far more important film than Eli Roth's cabin fever for a multitude of reasons. God, Yes. That said, you must have really loved that film and really hated Cabin Fever for you to go out of your way to try and warn others away from our podcast by leaving that review. We certainly didn't need to make you feel personally hurt by your opinion. 
But alas, this sort of thing is going to happen when opinions differ and there are strong feelings involved either way. Again, thank you for your review and we hear you. As far as trusting our opinions, we hope it's the facts, history, and even comedy and discussion that keeps people coming back. If our opinions happen to align with yours, then our recommendations will be just that much better. But you're entitled to your own opinions, which we love to hear about. And this is an excellent comment to respond to. Unfortunately, it's in the form of a one-star review, and it's not meant to start a discussion, but to end one. And of course, later we found out that J.W. Ford went around to a bevy of podcasts and apparently left one-star reviews. I mean, all I really have to say is, A, you know, can you imagine a world where everybody had the same opinion about every movie, every song, every TV show, and how boring that would be, and how changes wouldn't be made in the art form. I think people who make these movies have differences of opinion, right? And this is the kind of world that we live in. Yeah. And I think that, you know, whenever you're on things like social media or listening to podcasts, you need to remember that not everyone's going to feel the same way as you do. Chris and I are very good friends, and we don't always agree on the movies and TV shows that we watch. But we have a discussion, which is why there's a podcast. (laughs) And I mean, like, I'm sure that there are some times that, you know, I will make Chris feel bad for not liking something that I like or whatever. And that's human nature. Sometimes you feel very strongly about it. But I mean, like, you just move on and move on to the next movie and see if you agree on that one or not. And so, yeah, I appreciate the discussions of differences of opinion, just like we just talked about from the comments from our like review of The Lodge. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's a way to have these conversations and I'm more than willing to have them with you on social media. And, you know, and Chris will jump in and do the exact same thing. Right. So but B, we finally made it as a podcast because you really can't you know, be a podcast until you get some sort of like negative comment or review. Right. Yeah. And we don't want to spend that much, this much time normally like going over a negative feedback or a negative review, but it is our first one. Yeah. And because this one was so pointed and about opinions, I felt like there was something important to say, but we'd much rather and will in the future focus on the positive reviews because I certainly don't want to incentivize people getting attention for leaving us negative reviews. Yeah. But we thought that this could have been a really good opportunity for a conversation, but this person decided that they didn't want to have a conversation. They want to do, you know, do some damage because their feelings were hurt. So again, if you have a different opinion, Call us on our hotline, email us, connect with us on social media, you know, start a conversation. We'd love to. That's right. And when you do that, we'll include all your comments on the next Shooting the Flames episode. TM. (laughs) (laughs) But on to better news. We have a brand new patron this month. So we need to welcome to the Patreon family, Nicole. Yay! Yay! Welcome, Nicole. She left a comment on our Patreon main page that says, I am yet to see a dedicated Kelly Maroney appreciation episode, but you brought sunshine into my quarantine and budget Tom Hardy's invitation beard, so I'm eternally thankful. And by that, I believe she means that she actually listened to our sunshine episode. Yeah. Good play on words there. And of course, Tom Hardy's invitation beard is from the movie, the invitation. That's right. (laughs) So, uh, and as for Kelly Maroney, uh, one day, hopefully in the near future, we will be doing an episode on night of the comet and you will listen to at least me and hopefully Chris gush about Kelly Maroney then. So just uh, what else has she been in? She was at fast times in Ridgemont high. Right. I mean, like she's, Trust me, it's, she's she's great in Night of the Comet, and I mean, the entire cast in that movie is great, so I really can't wait to cover that one, so just hang tight for a little bit, Nicole. It's coming, I promise. Do you think we'll be doing that as a deep dive or a Flamer's flashback? Oh, that'll be a deep dive episode for sure. It's, oh. it's well worth a deep dive. Okay. 80s horror at its finest. All right, well, we're looking at 2021, so hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Our docket is full. <laughs> we can move it up. We'll see. Just hold tight. Horror News. So Mike Flanagan and Leah Fong are turning Christopher Pike's novel The Midnight Club into a Netflix series, which I am super excited about because I was a Christopher Pike junkie growing up. One of my favorite books of all time, in fact, is his adult novel called A Season of Passage. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much. But I loved all of these his teen horror um, stuff. I'm hoping against hope that it's not just going to be the stories from The Midnight Club, which were good. But it's going to be, I think there was only like four of them too, maybe. I have no idea. But um, I have the book's right behind you on my bookshelf too. Well, that's I'll great. Have to that it's a quick read. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, it's he's got a lot of great stories. So I'm hoping that he does like multiple 
multiple stories from all the other books too. That would be amazing. Well, I mean, that's why when I saw this article, like immediately like copy and pasted the link to you. Cause I was like, okay, this is like got Chris all over it. He loves Mike Flanagan and he likes Christopher Pike's books. Oh, this is a marriage like, made in heaven. I, I was just, like, this is like Chris's wet dream right here. And I just really hope cool. that they can really do justice. Some of those stories like monster or something. I hope they do more than just an hour. I hope they, you know, can are, are given the, the ability and the freedom to do like hour and a half long episodes to really do these, some of these stories, right. You know, well, and I'm, I'm glad that Mike Flanagan has made this deal with Netflix because I think that we're, I mean, so we're getting his Hill House stuff and there's another TV series that is almost finished that'll be coming to Netflix soon. And then this one, so I think we're getting some really good stuff from Mike Flanagan well, he, and Netflix. Yeah. And he, and he is behind like one of my favorite horror films from the last couple of years, Dr. Sleep. And he's also behind like the best horror on TV from the last couple of years, The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. So like I am I am beyond myself with this news. So I'm I'm super excited. I'm a, I'm and a I think I read that. somewhere else that he's going to be doing another Stephen King adaptation too. So he's done Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep, and there's another one that he's going to be helming. Yeah, he's doing so much, and I'm hoping Revival. that he has. He you know he's able to. He said he grew up reading these books too. In the in this article mm-hmm. that we're going to link to in the show notes. So obviously he has some passion there, and so anything that he has a passion for ends up being gold. So. I, I I simply just cannot wait for this to happen, and I'm hoping that we get as many stories as possible. Well, and something else that we've learned recently that's something that you love, and I'm sure you've been looking forward to, is that the Anne Rice properties, the Vampire Chronicles, and the Mayfair Witches have finally found a home at AMC. Yeah, so there's a continuing saga here of, you know, hot potato going on with <laughs> the license for the Vampire Chronicles. But it finally, I think it went from... I think it finally landed at Hulu and then it like, they couldn't do something with it and they changed showrunners or something. And, and finally now it's landed with AMC. So it's going to be interesting. They own, you know, walking dead license and stuff. And so they're trying to continue their whole like horror thing. And they've, they've done a really amazing show with really high production value. And I'm hoping they bring the same thing, you know, to the vampire chronicles. I was kind of hoping for like a showtime penny dreadful team, team up going on but i mean we have to remember that amc also owns shutter so there's still some hope that they could put it on that streaming platform i doubt they will because i'm sure they'll want as many eyes on it as possible yeah but i mean if if it does become some sort of like shutter property then there's no like censorship or anything going on in there they can make whatever show they want it yeah and that's really what i wanted but i mean watching walking dead they basically do whatever the fuck they want anyway Mm -hmm. so i'm not i'm not scared as far as that's concerned i'm more i'm more concerned about like the lgbt aspects of the story and i'm hoping amc is brave enough to you know uh show the story as written a lot of the time and i think they are i mean i think that i think a lot of younger viewers watch amc for these shows like like the walking dead or like mad men and things like that. So, I mean, I know that they, they will stay true to her work. And as far as long as Anne rice is like the executive producer of it, I don't think that she would have it any other way. Yeah. So, so the next bit of news on our docket is that the next Mad Max movie is going to be a prequel for Furiosa, which we are super excited about, except just before recording, Robert broke it to me that Charlie's Theron would not be, involved and not be playing Furiosa, which I think is bullshit and I will be picketing this film. <laughs> well, I mean everyone's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. I'm gonna leave them a one star review. Well, it's- <laughs> <laughs> That'll show them. <laughs> At a girl. Um, well, I, so it's supposed to be a prequel and it's supposed to be like Furiosa in her 20s. So he has to find a younger actress. I, I don't I don't think it's because Charlize Theron didn't want to be in the movie. I just don't think it's her story. It's from way before. Right. And apparently when they were taking the decade it took to make Fury Road, they wrote all, like huge backstories for all the characters. Like, even the guy playing the fucking guitar. Right. Has a backstory to explain to the actors in that movie. So, like, these things were ready to go 
you know, from, from the conception of that particular movie. So, and if any of you out there have not seen Mad Max Fury Road, you don't have to see any other Mad Max movie. Just watch this one. It's gold. It really is the best one. It's so (laughs) good. Yeah. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, including best picture. Best picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's an amazing movie and I, I think everyone should go watch it. Yeah. So, but, uh, he's not going to start making this movie probably for another year or so. Cause he's finishing up his next movie that stars Tilda Swinton. I mean, George Miller always okay. doing something different in between his I might movies. have to up that one star to a two star. <laughs> <laughs> Just for his casting choices? Yes. All right, so our last piece of news is something that has been announced, you know, for a while now. But um, I just wanted to take a minute and talk about it because I love the Oscars so much. Uh, they've changed their rules this year for what can be considered for Academy Awards. It used to be it had to have a certain amount of, like, you know, screen time in a theater in order to be considered for the award. However, this year it's changing largely due to the pandemic uh, that is keeping everybody inside and theaters closed. So movies that are streaming on any sort of platform in any form whatsoever, either like rental VODs or free streaming are eligible to be considered for an Academy Award, including Best Picture and all the acting noms and all that stuff. So all of these movies that are coming out on Netflix, Hulu, and so on that we've been watching during the pandemic are all, you know, Oscar. I can't say Oscar worthy. That's not true. Contenders. Yeah. Are all Oscar contenders. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> and I think this is great news for things like horror and genre film because right up into the time that theaters closed this year, like some of the biggest movies that we had seen were like the invisible man, which was great and had great performances in it. Oh yeah. And I mean, people are singing the praises of underwater and stuff like that. And so Elizabeth Moss, uh, FTW. That that's right. I mean, and Shirley is coming out on a streaming platform, uh, this month in June. So, I mean, like, I think that Elizabeth Moth has a, a great shot at getting a nomination from some of these movies. And I'm really glad that the Oscars made this choice to do it. And I hope that they don't go back and change the rules for the next year. I think yeah. if they want to stay relevant, they have got to start allowing movies that are accessible to the masses. And this yeah. is the best way to start. Completely agree. So good job, Academy. Keep it up. And do not cancel your telecast this year just because there was a pandemic. What we need right now in these times of darkness is an award show. What Robert needs right now. With celebrities living the life that I could never attain and dresses that I probably can't fit into. (laughs) No problem. We're here for you, Robert. Thank you. I mean, a single tear is about to fall. (laughs) God, isn't it award season already? Come on. I'm sure they can make a way for it to happen. There won't be any red carpet, but people are going to have like, you know, Louis Vuitton face masks. <laughs> They're going to have the entire Academy like on some sort of large Zoom meeting. And like, whose mask are you it. wearing? <laughs> it's Tom Ford. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I can't wait. Even more. Yay. Designer masks. <laughs> this made my heart skip a beat. Ooh, I can't wait for the Oscars. Coming soon. So the first item on our trailers list is Lovecraft Country, which is an HBO series, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing. That's right. And this is coming to us from Jordan Peele. So, I mean, he's... At least as an executive producer. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's doing... He's not really... I don't know what he's directing next, but he's he's executive producer on this series and the Twilight Zone second season's coming out, and he's the executive producer of Candyman, so he really is pushing a lot more horror. Yeah, work or at out least there. putting his name on stuff because apparently a lot of the times you can executive produce and slap your name on something to help someone sell something. I think Tarantino did that for Eli Roth, even though he had nothing to do with the making of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, for one of those, but uh, it looks really good. It does remind me of um, Antebellum. Yeah, the trailer for Antebellum, which I mean, I. I which has been pushed back. That should have already been out by now. So um, we'll have to wait on that. The trailer looks really good. So it, it really is like a mix of like race relations and like Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. And I think that's good and timely because I think we're, we're starting to learn a lot more about Lovecraft's actual life. And he was a, a racist, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like it's going to tie in somewhere with that, but I think this TV show looks well produced, at least from the trailer. Oh, yeah. It looks incredibly and cinematic. Like something that I'm going to watch. So I'll have to continue subscribing to HBO. <laughs> So every time I think yeah. I'm going to cancel it, something happens and I can't. So, And speaking of the horrors of white supremacy, we need to talk about Becky. 
Oh, that's right. There's the other trailer that we put in here. Uh, so yeah, two two trailers for upcoming horror shows and movies about race. And so Becky uh, stars Kevin James of Paul Blart fame and King of Queens <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, playing a neo Nazi. Yeah, and uh, Joel McHale is also in this movie playing against type. Yeah, and uh, Lulu Wilson is that her name? The little girl from Annabelle Creation. Yeah. So. Uh, I think so a family is like on staying in a cabin in the woods and they're being accosted by a neo-Nazi who has escaped from prison, right? Or and, something. Yeah, it's Kevin James. Yeah, and he's holding the family hostage, but their youngest daughter, Becky, is out in the wilderness and she's sort of a strong-headed young woman and yeah. takes them to task. Yeah, she takes her doing. winter's bone and beats him over the head with it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean... I don't know that this movie looks especially good. I just wanted to include it in this like conversation because there's like the actors in here are playing so far against type. And I mean, that's, that's good. I think that we've seen that in horror movies before and it, yeah. it works out. So, I mean, I'll definitely be watching this one. There's no word on whether or not it's going to be a VOD release or it's going to theater. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I do know that like one of the first movies that's going to be opening when the theaters finally reopen sometime in July is some sort of Russell Crowe road rage horror adjacent movie. Oh yeah. I Interesting. I haven't seen the trailer for it, but I know it's available. So guys, if y'all have seen that trailer, let us know how it is. I do enjoy watching a, an actor struggle for relevancy. <laughs> one star. <laughs> recommendations so i am outside of the stuff that we're doing like flamers flashbacks for patreon and of course our deep dives i have been utterly failing at watching horror especially after like the wet grinch salad that was the lodge (laughs) you know (laughs) so i needed like some you know brain bleach so I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I love it. Which wasn't as awesome as I wanted it to be. No. But I cry at the trailer, but I did not cry at all watching the actual movie. Uh, I watched the She-Ra final season, <laughs> which is so fucking queer. It's amazing. Like, it's the best thing for, like, for kids to watch for, like, complete, like, normalcy. There's no, like hanging a lantern on what you're actually seeing is just so naturalistic and not explained. Like even the bad guys use proper pronouns in this world, you know, like it's, is uh, it's just really, really good. And I, and I kind of like, I was emotional by the end of it and uh, I don't usually get that way in anything. I have uh, heard because I'm dead inside, but it's, um, it's really, really good. And it's, I wish it was the She-Ra show that I had when I was a kid, when I was watching He-Man and She-Ra and Thundercats and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all that. If I had this, it would, if the world had had this, it would have been way more normalized because it's just so, so well done. And I can't recommend it enough if you want to have some brain bleach cartoon, uh, you know, that originated from the 80s. So I've heard that about this series on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it was very inclusive. Um, what Incredibly. led you to watch this? Well, because I grew up with it. I grew up with She-Ra and uh, I believe Kevin Smith is coming out with his own He-Man cartoon. That's like the same type of animation that basically takes off, supposed to take off where the last one went, but be a little bit more R-rated and things Ooh. like that. So I'm really looking forward to that too. But I watched She-Ra because I grew up with it. You know, me and my sister used to, you know, play with like, I had my He-Man action figures and she had her She-Ra action figures and, you know. Uh, this was before I got into like X-Men and stuff like that. And they coming out with a She-Ra revival on Netflix. And I was like, okay, shit, I'll check it out. So I did. And it turned out to be so like LGBT, like in race inclusive and, and everything else. It was just so beautiful because it was exactly what I've been trying to champion for years, which is, you know, make it incidental, make it normal. Don't make it a plot point. Don't make it something that you have to fight for. Just make it part of a normal thing. That's just accepted because it is what it is and is there. And that's exactly what they do in the show and is never given a second thought. It's just so normal. So it's just a, and, and that part of it is just really kind of beautiful to watch. So meanwhile, it's got great sci-fi dark fantasy stuff going on, you know, and everything else, all that stuff is just incidental, which makes it so much better. This is something I think I might need to watch just cause I mean, I, I like that message. I like that. Like you were so like pleased by it and it's, 
something that hopefully like my brother is showing to my nieces and nephews, right? I think they need to learn lessons like this and that's a really good way to do it. So yeah, I will check it out. And there's nothing wrong with like not watching a whole bunch of horror movies all the time. Like sometimes you need to have brain bleach, not just because of like things that you've watched recently or in the past, but yeah, it's a, it's a bad time in the world. And sometimes you just don't want to watch things that are like violent or unhappy, you know, and that's, well, I was reading a review for it too. And, and someone else was saying that it's one of those, it's actually made on front page of CNN.com was that it ended so well and that it was one of those rare shows that both kids and adults can watch on two different levels. And that it's just, uh, it's so great. You know, like Bo happens to have two dads and it's never talked about. It's never explained. It just is. And everyone just, it's just the most normal thing in the world, you know? And that's good. And that's exactly where gay characters need to go from now on. There should be no backstory as to why, you know, like that's, it's not even part of the conversation anymore. No one's talking about why people are gay. People just are. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So I, um, went against type and read a couple books last month and i read i, I listened to like i i don't i don't read anymore the audio <laughs> yeah I, I listened to it on audible i mean because i'm an audio kind of guy i'd rather hear it see i like to like normal books because i like the smell of them and that just makes me sound like a creep so i'm gonna cut that out of the podcast well i mean i could probably have erica make you a book scented candle and that way Ooh, you could like burn it while you're listening to your audible experience oh, yes please i mean erica if you're listening and i know you are just, just as long as it doesn't smell like books are burning <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we don't want a fahrenheit 451 one scented candle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I listened to the new Stephen King book, If It Bleeds, and the Tori Amos memoir slash call to political activism book, Resistance. And while I was listening to these, it sort of dawned on me that sometimes you experience things like art, like either it's in the form of like music or movies or books at like just the precise right time in your life, right? Where they sort of like speak to you and mean something. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes like music and books and movies take years for you to like let that sink in. But in this particular instance, these two books really, really spoke to me a lot. So I had talked briefly on another episode that I had some family issues before and it's because my, my grandmother had passed away. Right. And this is a, a woman who meant a great deal to me in my life and taught me a lot. And both of these books deal in their own ways with like loss and grief. And I would say, especially like the Tori Amos book is a memoir. So she's really talking about losing her mother and how she processed that grief and continues to process. And she read the audiobook. So that was like a special treat for me anyway, you know, cause I love Tori Amos so, so much, but the Stephen King book is like four short novels and each of them was so incredibly different, but they all had these like under like lying themes of like loss and grief and, and processing of emotion. And it just spoke to me so, so much like, Listening to both these books, there were multiple times that I was just like sitting outside on my back porch, just listening and just like weeping. So I would highly recommend listening to both of them. I mean, the Tori Amos one, if you're a fan, yes, go listen. If you're not, I mean, you may not take away as much from it. But these Stephen King books, I think, is some of the best work that he's done in the last like 10 years or so. Really? Okay. I'll it is just it so, so good. So um, also, and I didn't put this in our, our news section, but obviously movie theaters are not open right now, but there are a handful of drive-ins or at least one specifically in Florida <laughs> that has been operational the whole time of this pandemic, right? And they <laughs> movies have not been released. So they've been getting these movies that have been like either released to VOD or have a very limited release and they're showing them and they're, it's the only theater that's reporting box office numbers. So for the last three weeks, a small independent horror movie called The Wretched has been number one at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is fantastic because, you know, this wouldn't have never happened for this movie. It would have maybe got a limited release and then sent to VOD where it maybe would have gotten a following. But, you know... Now, for the rest of time, people look back to these weekends, box office numbers, and this movie is going to be number one. It can forever claim that it's a number one movie. And so when I read that this movie existed and that it's been number one at the box office, I was like, well, let me go watch it. So I rented it on VOD and watched it and really, really enjoyed it. Like, it's a nice, like, 80s 
twinged throwback horror movie set in the present day. Uh, it's got really good practical effects in it. And like, I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, audiences are getting to see this in a theater and that it's going to be able to have this recognition like forever. And another movie that I had talked about on a previous shooting, the flames called swallow was also number one at the box office, like back in April. So movies that people just, that would have never heard of probably are getting all this like news and press. And I think it's something good that we can take out of this like terrible time we're all living in. So what was wretched about? Oh, I didn't even tell you the plot. Did I? <laughs> it's just about it being good. Um, so this, there's this kid, he's a teenager, like 16 or 17 years old. His parents are separated, going to be getting a divorce. He goes to live with his dad who lives sort of like um, in this Harbor town, but sort of out in the woods a little bit. And uh, he starts to notice his neighbor acting weird and, um, losing her kids and things like that. And he believes that she has been possessed by a witch. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit like a witch movie. It's a little bit rear window. It's a little bit, I don't know, evil dead. Interesting. Okay. It's like, it's a lot thrown into one, but it was a a really good, like just straightforward fun horror movie to watch. As we get more and more like city and suburb oriented, like it just seems like we're getting more and more and more, you know, the witch, the lodge, antlers, you know, wretched type of movies where people go out into the woods and, you know, horrible things happen. I want one movie, you know, like a horror movie version of Nell or something. Where <laughs> people that live in the lodge go into the city and they get horrified by something. <laughs> Nell. Don't Tang go into the city. In the wind. That Nell is what you're There be monsters. <laughs> well, I mean... I think that horror is cyclical like that, right? So, I mean, we we will get a whole rash of horror movies that do take place in a city. And then for a period of years, everything is going to be, you know, remote. And then it'll go back to like horror in the suburbs, you know? So, I mean, it's just sometimes I don't, I don't know why in the world right now we're getting so much like wilderness stuff. I wonder like (laughs) the one that comes to mind has the most, like what I just described is probably poltergeist three where she's like stuck on a haunted skyscraper in that building with all the mirrors and shit. Yeah. (laughs) So we do need to watch all the whole poltergeist movies. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, go check out the, the wretched. It was, it's, it's a good movie. Like I, I think if you're a fan of just, you know, fun horror movies that you don't have to pay too much attention to, even though there's a pretty good twist toward the end, right? There's a twist. There is a twist. And like the ultimate twist I didn't see coming. And so I mean, it was, it was a good shocking end. And mm. I mean, it's just, it's, a I good love a good movie. twist. So continue to support this movie, go out to Amazon, rent it, watch it. Let's let it keep making money. Okay. So we both watched what Netflix has been ceaselessly marketing to me, I guess, either from the I'm just I don't want to assume everyone's getting marketed Hollywood, um, but I'm guessing part of both of our algorithms that were little gay boys. And so it really (laughs) wants to push Patti LuPone all over us. (laughs) Right in our faces. And of course, we ate it all up. So... Yeah, so I mean, I have a friend who uses my Netflix account and he watches under my profile. So he watched Hollywood first. So it stopped marketing it to me because it thought that I had watched it. Oh, okay. So it wasn't until you had said you've like watched it all. I was like, well, let me go, let me go give it a shot. Yeah. So what did you think? I mean, well, yeah, it's, it has its issues. It's well made, uh, it's very well cast uh, for many, many different parts. But, you know, it tries to do the whole Tarantino thing of, like, wish fulfillment and, and like, um, revisionist history, mm-hmm. right? Which can be really good. And in this case, it's there's good and bad, right? It gets a little bit too much into the area of just, like, straight-up wish fulfillment. And it doesn't quite – like, I feel like it was trying to sell, like, this is what, like, Hollywood in the 40s, 50s, you know, would have been like and, and life could have been like if, if everyone was, like, accepting or if these things had happened – you know, or almost like if people had tried hard enough, you know, or something. And it's just like, it's, that's not the point. I think the point that they end up really bringing home is the importance of representation mm-hmm. and for someone to be brave enough to step out and do those things to begin with. But it was a little muddy going through it. And like I said, it gets a little bit hardcore on the wish fulfillment area where it's just like, oh God. But it, to me, it did it well enough that it deserved its ending. To the point where I was like basically a puddle on the floor, but you know, <laughs> it did have its problems, but it's really, really worth the performance, especially from Patty LuPone, but especially <laughs> 
from Jim Parsons, who plays a bad guy, like a Harvey Weinstein, but he does such a good job. And I'm so used to him from like uh, that shitty TV show that he was on. Um, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And I know everyone loves it, but it's like for actual nerds, it's just like people's idea of nerds. And it's I don't like, think I've ever seen it. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That's a whole nother thing. I, I gave it a one star review. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be our episode title for this one. <laughs> one star review. <laughs> Shooting the Flames May. One star. One star reviews. Patty LaPone. <laughs> and Shira, <laughs> queer cartoon. Yeah, I mean, I agree about you know Hollywood. I, I mean, I liked it, but I really liked the first like three quarters of the series, you know. Mm-hmm. And then for the last couple episodes, I thought it was just a little too neatly wrapped up. And the thing is, I mean, like you're watching this That's and you're true. you're seeing the struggle of these characters, right? Either be it from their like sexual orientation or their race, right? And how they're struggling to just survive in Hollywood and to make their dreams come true, right? And then at the end of the movie, they're like, well, fuck it. We're just going to make the movie anyway. And then history changes from there. And so like for the rest of American history, I think we're supposed to, you know, believe that things were represented a lot more often and things got easier for people life. And that's, that's a wonderful place to dream about. Well, it's almost like they were treating the media back then, like it is today. And it's just not true. Yeah. Right. So back then, if they had seen two guys holding hands on the red carpet or some of those other things, you wouldn't have seen it on TV. It wouldn't have been brushed under the carpet. Exactly. You know, you just never would have seen it because it just would have been like, Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, and it didn't, this didn't exist. This didn't happen versus today. You know, they would ceaselessly talk about it for 24 hours straight. But our news cycle back in the 40s and 50s was like one hour a day. So well, what pisses me off about this series is that the struggle that these actual people faced in Hollywood and outside of Hollywood. Right. You know, the struggle for, you know, equal treatment during the like civil rights movement or like you know, the, the struggle starting with like Stonewall and before for LGBTQ people. Right. S- sort of like brushed under the table for this because they're they're revising history. Right. And to me, I would much rather see a TV series, even if it's sort of like a little fictional about the struggles that these people actually faced. I would rather yeah. see something a little bit more accurate. And I feel like they kind of made Rock Hudson into kind of a cartoon. Right. You know, a little bit. And it's like, that's one problem with what I have with Ryan Murphy anyway, with all the stuff that I've seen with him of all of AHS and some other things and this, I just feel like he has this amazing premise, high production value, great cast, you know, and he just really does a great job. And then it's just hurriedly and unrealistically, you know, wrapped up at the end. And a lot of his stuff kind of collapses that way. Mm-hmm. I still kind of held on, obviously, um, you know, because I just I just decided to buy into it, you know, in order to enjoy it. I was too invested at that point to give up on it, you know. But overall, it did have some serious problems, you know. And I would have rather have you know had a very a much more focused goal of you know of the revisionist history because it just seems like wish fulfillment. Well, I mean, and you're right when you say that you get invested into something because I mean, like the, like I said earlier, the, the first like four or five episodes of the series are really good. Yeah. And you get like wrapped up in the characters' lives and you really want to see them succeed in Hollywood and you like them, even the bad characters. I liked Jim Parsons' character as bad as he was, but I mean, like stories need to have a villain, you know? And I mean, it, it was good. It's just that when, when you start to realize where the series is heading and that they've already created the bow that they're going to wrap it up in right at the end, I'm like, eh, and it starts to get a little boring and just not as yeah. good. And I think that like all the work that they did building these characters up and creating these characters sort of just falls by the wayside because they very hurriedly and rapidly say, well, this is what happens at the they're end. They're like, oh, this isn't going to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to make this about representation and the importance of it. And I think they got that a little bit too late, but they did it well, at least for the, the little bit that they were able to to finally focus on that piece of it. And I think that we can agree that we like the message that it's trying to send, yeah, right? At least at the end, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think that there's room to have a second season of this. I think it's, I mean, to me, it's no, like a one story. Yeah. It's totally one off. If they were to try to come back and say, like, Hollywood season two, I'm like, it didn't even occur to me that there would be a season two unless they start jumping decades or something, you know? But even then, I mean, what are they going to show us, like, the ramifications of what, you know, 
Meg was the movie that they released, and then that the LGBT movie that they were doing, right? Maybe he'll just jump to different time periods and it won't be Hollywood. You know, it'll be like Civil War and it'll be like Abergay Twinkin or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, right? It just flies off the page. Still would have died right? in the theater. <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> uh, I gave Hollywood four stars on Letterboxd, however, because the production value in the show, I think, is really, really good. They went to great lengths to make it look like it was a period show. Yeah, they definitely nailed a tone. Yeah. And the production was great. So we both, I think, gave it four stars, even though we had such distinct issues with it. Yeah. So, But again, like we encourage people to do, go check it out. Well, I think that just about wraps up our Shooting the Flames conversation for June. So, as always, uh, reach out to us on social media and let us know what you think about this episode and other episodes. You can do that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Film Flamers. You can even find us on Letterboxd. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Let your voice be heard. We will play your message on the next Shooting the Flames episode and respond to it at length. (laughs) And just like we did for Nicole in this episode, we will shout out our new patrons. So head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers to check out all of our bonus content. Uh, There's hours and hours of that out there for you now. You'll also get access to episodes early uh for as little as two bucks so last month our patreon episode was a flashback to dr strange and this month robert has picked suddenly last summer that's right classic cinema so uh a little bit of katherine hepburn a little bit of elizabeth taylor all wrapped up in some tennessee williams horror adjacency so i'm looking forward to talking about that And look for us next week on the regular feed for Psycho Beach Party. That's right. It's our Pride Month movie choice this year. So we're looking forward to talking about that as well. And we'll be having a top 10 vacation horror episode coming up for you soon. That's right. It's been a while since we've had a top 10 episode, I think. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too. Yeah, me too. Well, guys, we appreciate all the comments and feedback, and we also appreciate reviews. So if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, just head over, give us a five-star review. And we mean five-star. <laughs> we should have been more explicit in the past. <laughs> yeah. And a little snippet about why you like us, and we will read those on Shooting the Flames. Because nothing says thank you like a dollar in the waistband. <laughs> I'm a private dancer dancing for money (laughs) that just came out of nowhere okay Roxanne you don't have to leave that red light on (laughs) alright well until our next episode everybody sweet dreams stop hissing at me Robert stop hissing in my ear (laughs) 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 Ha 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 ha